Amen and glory to God. Oh, did we worship this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The men brought it this morning. All right now. It was a beautiful time. Praise the Lord. But we're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going in the Lord. I want to say good morning. Good morning, church. So glad each of you are here. To those who are online and each of you who are here in person, in the words of Apostle Peter, I say grace and peace be yours in great abundance. I'm so blessed to stand before you today. We are elated you chose to worship with us and be in the house of the Lord. We thank you. We thank all of you for being here with us. We are blessed by your presence. Now, I'm really excited. I know y'all saw that good-looking scripture reader I had there. Oh, what a beautiful day it is. Today is Scout Sunday. Let's give it up for our scouts this morning. Amen. Beautiful job. Thank you. We are happy and thankful to have our scouts participating in service this morning. We uh, love those wonderful greeters that we had at the door. Now, those are the best dressed greeters I've seen since I've been at this church. I mean, from head to toe, hats and everything matching. They look really, really great. Dale, that's nothing against y'all. But those Cub Scouts were exceptional this morning. But we're glad that y'all are here, and we a big heartfelt thank you to all our troop leaders and our pack leaders, parents, volunteers, everyone who makes scouting possible for our children. We thank y'all for being here. Y'all are doing a fantastic job here at Udawa United Methodist Church, and we are grateful to you, and we thank you for your service. God bless you, and I pray that Y'all uh, saw the announcements and the things that are going on here at OUMC, and I hope you'll come and be a part. That's not just for the folks that are members. That's for all of you, too. You heard about it. Come and be a part of it. We want you here. And that, I'm not taking you away from your own church if you have one, but they don't have anything going on that day. Come on, hang out with us. What a blessing. And I want to thank my friend Brittany, who I met just recently at getting my hair done. And I gave her my card and look at her. She showed up for church. God bless you. I'm so glad you and your beautiful family are here today. God bless you. Uh, today, if I were to give this sermon a title, it would be Live Like You Are Dying. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a very rousing sermon there. I mean, the scripture itself started off with the end of all things is near. Now that sounds a little rough, right off the bat. But let us go to the Lord in prayer because I believe the Lord has a word for God's people this morning. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, please teach us to love one another as you have loved us. Teach us to look on the heart and not on the outward appearance. Teach us to show the same grace you show to us. Lord, we have fallen so short of the beautiful vision you have for your people. We are godly sorry for this and ask you to help us to grow in love and grace that we may be the men and women of God that you have called us to be. 
Now, Lord, please give us a word of instruction that we, your children, might do your will and glorify your holy name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. Now, as I was saying, that the beginning of that scripture sounds a, a bit hopeless and even uh, quite sad. And if we take it at face value, it could really be a doomsday, apocalyptic word. And to be honest, most theologians have taught this word as a proclamation of the end of the world. Now, while I was studying for this sermon, I found a theologian who took a, a little different approach. He said Peter was not talking about the literal end of the world, or nor was he talking about the second coming of Christ in this particular scripture. But he was referring to the end of the world as they knew it, because things were about to change and Jerusalem was about to be overthrown. Now, I was thought about that, and I said, and Peter wanted to, them to be their best and, and put forth their very best witness. So those who were watching them would see something special about them and want to know their God and want to know their Jesus. Want to know why are you going through all this stuff, but yet and still, you seem to be all right. See, when people start asking you that question, then you can let them know about your friend Jesus. See, in the last two years, we've undergone some major paradigm shifts. Unfortunately, we were not prepared for the changes we had to endure. And to be quite honest, uh, we did not show our best self. You see, it's kind of sad, but we're living in a day of cell phones and cameras. So if you go and you show out, I can almost guarantee you somebody is going to pull out their cell phone and say, ooh, let me get this. And then they're going to find you on TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, and everywhere else. So not only did you show out that one time, you continued to show out over and over and over again online. And they get so good that then they even make a meme out of you so that you can send it to your friends. Look at this crazy person. Y'all, it's sad, but this is the world we live in. As soon as the announcement was made concerning the coronavirus, we became some of the most selfish people the world had ever seen. We hoarded all the toilet paper, the Lysol spray, and the wipes without regard for the needs of anybody else. We took it all. Make sure my, as long as my family got some, as long as I got some, it didn't matter. See, when all the resources became scarce and the shelves looked a little empty, people lost their ever-loving mind. I mean, beating people up in the Walmart. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. See, it only took a few weeks of being quarantined for people to forget how to live 
in community. See, as the death toll and the rates rose, we saw rates of domestic violence, suicide, murder, and assault rising to alarming rates. It was terrible and has continued to be terrible. People were having altercations and full emotional breakdown in the middle of stores across the country. Racial tensions grew, hate crimes rocketed, and insurrection seemed like a viable option to some. It was if, as if the love of humankind had waxed cold. It was so bad that some people started thinking, oh Lord, we're at the end of the world. See, the pandemic affected people across the globe, and we realized many of us for the first time, just how small our world really is after all. We quickly realize how intertwined our fates are, regardless of race, class, nationality, social status, or creed, we were all successful to coronavirus. It was no respect of person. It didn't care how much money you had. Thus, we had to take precautions. Y'all know we ain't that far out of all this situation. You had to stay six feet away from each other, wear your mask, clean, heavily touch surfaces. And, and for some of us, it meant we had to stay at home because maybe we had compromised immune systems or whatever it was, but we couldn't come out and be in community. It was a major societal change which occurred without warning. And when we were told about it, there were no limits. We didn't know when it was going to end. We didn't know anything. We didn't have any proper instructions. Nobody knew because nobody had ever lived through such a thing. Experience this, experiencing this thing at this time, when I read this scripture, it made me think a little bit more deeply, a little bit more clearly about the plight of the Apostle Peter and the instructions he gave to the people of God. See, I thought about it. Peter was probably experiencing Christians acting in ways not becoming of Christ. I mean, they were going through some terrible times. And so maybe some of them were hoarding and not helping and not doing some things that they needed to do. So it really made me think about this pastor during that time. So if we're willing to accept that Peter was possibly talking about major societal changes and a full paradigm shift which would stop the suffering and maltreatment of Christians, and if we... Uh, can go further and explore the cultural context of the scripture, instead of being sad, we can find a word of hope. A word of hope indeed. Because in this scripture, the apostle Peter is speaking to believers in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Cappadocia Western Asia Minor, and Beth Bethania who have endured great suffering and persecution by the hands of Roman emperors. 
In this letter, Peter is offering instructions on how to live even in the face of death. Even in the face of major societal changes, even in the midst of major paradigm shifts, he was telling the believers, both Gentile and Jew, how to be their best self, even during the worst times and the harshest conditions. So in contemplating these instructions, I realized it would be wise of all of us to live like we are dying. These are the instructions that Peter offered to us here in this passage. So in order to live like we are dying, we should do the following things. Now, I usually don't go one, two, three, but I want you to make sure you get these, so I'm going to tell you one, two, three. I'm going to go through them. Number one, be prepared. This is the scout motto. Be prepared. See, a good scout and a good Christian should both be prepared for whatever might come their way. Whether the second coming of Christ or one's own death or some pestilence or some paradigm shift. No one knows the hour that the Son of Man will appear. So we must live our lives in such a way as to be ready when and however the Lord chooses to come. And whatever societal changes may happen, we still need to stand on the Word of God. We must be serious about our faith and diligent in living a life pleasing to God. We must do our best to be our best and bear our best witness to the goodness of God. We must do this every day because you never know who got the cell phone. But we want to live out a life that would be pleasing and honorable to Christ. Number two, Love one another deeply. Now, as you can tell, I am not the best photographer ever, but I took this picture a week before last as I was walking down the street in downtown Chattanooga. I don't know if you've ever been to the area where the DeFore brothers have done a lot of revitalization, and now it's this beautiful place you go and walk and sit on the side and eat. No, it's just beautiful down there. Well, these are the signs that they have hanging in that area. And these signs say, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. I said, not that word will preach. So I took a picture. Spread love everywhere you go and don't let anyone leave you without being happier than when you found it. Just as God so loved the world, we must love one another. Unfortunately, love has been overshadowed by hate lately. Now, any of us who may be watching the news in the last week have witnessed one of the most horrendous hate crimes, where 13 people were wounded 
and 10 African-American people were killed while shopping for groceries. They were not bothering anyone. They were not causing any problems. They were buying cupcakes for a birthday party. They were buying the meat for the barbecue. They were just stopping after work, grabbing a few things so they can cook dinner. You know, the way we often do. But even with just doing that ordinary thing, some of them never went back home alive. Those who were left to tell the story talked about the shots that they heard ringing out and they were running and hiding and, and just scared for their lives. And that same day, shots rang out at a Presbyterian church in California where three people were killed. Y'all, it has been open season on black and brown people. And it is our duty to God and country to say no more killing of innocent people. We as the people of God must say domestic terrorism will not be tolerated. We have to understand if one is not safe, no one is safe. Standing for justice is the call of godly women and men. That is what we are to do when we follow Jesus Christ. We got to do the work. We can't be complacent because that doesn't get the work of God done. We can't be silent because silent is consent. And we as a people of God cannot consent to things that are outside the will of God. We cannot consent to things that are not right. We must stand for justice. Number three, be hospitable to each other without complaining. Whoop. We were all right when we said be hospitable to each other. We were saying, okay, we can do that. Oh, yes, I can do that. But then Peter throws that thing in there Whoop. without complaining. Oh, that's why I got some of y'all. <laughs> that's some serious business. Do things to the glory of God. Do them with a happy and joyful heart that we're able to serve God in the way that we're able to serve. Stop complaining. Now, some of you, y'all so sweet and kind, y'all would let us in your house, y'all would be kind, y'all would let us stay and everything, but then when you're talking later, you're like, and they come up and eat all the food and everything, I had to clean up, and they wouldn't even clean up behind themselves. It is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, we know how we do. Don't lie, don't lie. That's how we do. I was glad they came, but oh, I was happier when they left. <laughs> Let's tell the truth. But y'all, being a good host or hostess is a spiritual gift. It is a gift from God. Showing hospitality is a big deal to God. So big a deal, he destroyed two cities because they were not hospitable. Whoop, burn them right now. Hospitality is important. 
we should be hospitable to each other and the alien in our gates, least we entertaining angels unaware. We should offer aid and help without complaining about it. Whatever we do for others, we should do out of the deep abiding love of God. That same deep abiding love that God offers each of us. Oh, my Lord. Number four, show each other grace just as God has shown you grace. Oh, y'all, we want grace, we expect grace, but we are hard on folk, and we seldom want to give grace. But if you want it, if you expect it, you need to offer it. That same grace that God has shown you, God manifests grace in so many different, beautiful, colorful ways. Uh, I, I loved, I was reading, and, and someone, I can't even remember the name of the author, but he showed God's grace as a multifaceted diamond. And that every part of that multifaceted diamond is shooting out grace, grace, grace. In beauty and in the aura of a great diamond. I got so excited about that thing. Oh, the grace of God is abundant. And just as we receive God's grace, we must be ready and willing to extend grace to others and extend grace as if grace is abundant. It's not in short supply, y'all. You can keep giving it, keep giving it. There'll be some more to give. Just keep on, just keep on. Number five, serve one another with your gifts, with the gifts you have received from God. Now, I, the Boy Scouts and their slogan, or the, and the Girl Scouts and, and all our scouting community, they use a slogan that says, do a good turn daily. What a great word. See, every day we should be serving one another, using the gifts and talents that God provides. Y'all, let me tell you something. Some of you think y'all self-made men and women. I did this. I earned this. This is mine. Let me tell you right now, nobody in this place is self-made. None of you did it on your own. God's grace provided whatever you have right now. It is God that gave you the talent, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to do the work that you do. It all belongs to God. So you then must in return, just like we do our tithes and our offerings, in return with your gifts and talents, you serve God by serving others. Whatever your gift is, I don't know what all your gifts may be, but use them to help others and make this world a better place. That's what our scouting community does. Because even the smallest act of kindness can bring a smile to the face of others. And that's important. You just made somebody's day. Represent God well, y'all. This is number six. 
Represent God well by both word and deed. Remember who and whose you are. Your life bears witness to the goodness of God. Make sure all of us and all of our gifts, and we use them wisely and put our faith into action. Faith without works is dead. That's what James says. We must speak out against the injustices in our world. We must strive each day to make the world a better place for all of God's children. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this Christian journey ain't for the lighthearted. This Christian journey ain't an easy journey. This Christian journey is not a popular journey. Everybody not going to agree or be happy when you follow Christ. They didn't like it back then, and they're not going to like it now. But our call is to do the work to follow Christ. It is is not a journey of complacency. It is not a journey of silence. I can tell you that right now. Baby, it might get loud when you're doing the work of the Most High God. Oh, I can tell you, it's going to get loud. We got to be loud. We have to drown out all the negativity with some positivity. That's our job. It is our journey. Mm. And this journey requires us to make some noise. Number seven, let your entire life glorify God. Let your life so shine that the world can see Jesus in you. Every day, in every way, bring glory and power to the Lord our God. Live your life in such a way that others want to join the Christian journey. I mean, I don't want you to do like Gandhi says. He says, well, I ain't got no problem with your Christ. But them Christians, yeah, problem. Y'all, let's live our life in such a way that people say, wow, there's something different. There's something desirable. They know something I don't, and I want in on that. Now, I'm not going to beat you over the head any longer, but I wanted to share that word. That's a great word and a powerful word, even for me in my life. Now, this sermon is, is titled after a Tim McGraw song. Some of y'all might know Tim. And in this song, he tells the story of a man who finds out He's dying. Now, this news leads him to do many of the things that he had put off in his life. But facing death, he he began to do some of those things that he wanted to do, and he also did some of those things he needed to do. And he wanted to make sure he got them all done before he passed away. Now, the lyrics which struck me as important and and good advice for today are embedded in these verses. And when Tim McGraw asked the man, he says, when you found out that terrible news, what did you do? And the man returned and says, I went skydiving, I went rock climbing, 
I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. But then he said, and I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness I had been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I had not been. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times the year I lost my dad. Well, I finally read the good book. And I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. Hmm. So I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. And he ended it in this way. He said, I hope you get a chance to see eternity so that you can ask yourself, what would I do? Or what should I do? Or how should I do it? So that you get the opportunity, you get the chance to live like you die. Men and women of God, Let's live each day like we're dying. Now some of you might need to come to this altar today. Maybe you need to surrender yourself to God. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I, I got work to do. Show me what it is. I don't know what your situation may be, but if you'd like to, I know Jesus awaits you at the altar, and you're welcome to come. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you.